You're listening to the Clon Bike Cast, your one-stop shop for information about the Clonakilty Bike Festival and beyond. In today's episode, Alison Roberts talks to Kieran Doyle, local teacher and historian, about the history of cycling in West Cork. And we hear some excerpts from a book, Frozen and Forgotten, Remembrances of Cycling from Days Gone By, from residents of Dunmanway Community Hospital, compiled by artist Anne Harrington-Reese through the Arts for Health programme. This is Alison here again from the Clon Bike Cast, doing a podcast for the Clonahilty Bicycle Festival. Um, and we're I'm here with Kieran Doyle, who is um, local historian and teacher. So you have you've done us the kind gesture of letting us hijack your monthly column in the West Cork People this month, and you've done some digging around about the history of cycling in Ireland. Um, I'm just wondering. Basically, we'll have a chat about what you learned and what you knew already, I guess, and um, and see if we can put together a an, a little episode to let people get a picture of what cycling might have been in different eras and the importance of cycling in West Cork and in Ireland. Yeah, absolutely. First, uh, so- yeah, it's it's pleasure to pleasure to be part of the bike festival. I'm a big fan of it, and fair play to you and your team, Alison. I think it's it's an amazing festival, and uh, thanks. It's ninth year, I think you were telling me. Yeah. Where did those years go? But well done for keeping it alive <laughs> online this year, but well done for keeping it alive. Yeah, has to be done. Mm. So in your in your digging around, was there anything particularly that jumped out that you were surprised by? Are you from where are you from for starters? Is Well, I, I'm from I'm from Cork City and uh I've been in twenty years in West Cork. So when when you asked me to uh dig around a little bit about bicycles, and I must tell your listeners you gave me about uh two hours notice. <laughs> and that's why. Um, yeah, it was a pleasure to have a little look. I wouldn't claim to be any expert on the history of bikes, but I found a few little interesting things about it here and there, you know. Um, you know, it fascinated me. Uh, I mean, uh, when people read the article and, and, and the West Cork people, they'll be finding out the things that I only found out myself recently. As I said, I'm no expert, but I think bikes have been around more or less uh, in their kind of shape they, they are today since, since about 1817. It was the Germans, typical the Germans. They invent everything, don't they? Um, and, a, and, a, and a man called Carl uh, van Drass, how German could that be, was the, uh, was, is, is acclaimed founder. Now, there's probably a few other people who are competing for that title, but he seems to be the one who is, uh, let's say, credited with the, uh, the modern bike anyway. Um, but when in terms of, of local and clonacilty, I suppose just generally speaking, at, Bikes seem to kind of come into popularity in the 1860s in Victorian times. Now, um, of course, listeners will, will, will understand that Ireland was very much part of that Victorian area because we were very much part of the British Empire. And we benefited from some of the inventions of the Victorians, you know, things like sanitation and housing and things like that. But bikes were one of the things that they brought in. But initially, unlike today, was kind of very middle class. So you can imagine uh, the, the posh folk of the Victor- Victorian class having it. So that'd be the, in- the English mostly bringing it in? Well, you could imagine it was probably the, uh, what we call the Anglo-Irish, uh, the ones that had money. Because when you think yeah. about it, the 1860s, 1860, it was only 15 years after the famine. And yeah. you know yourself, uh, 10, 15 years after famine, and you know yourself that famines, you just don't wake up the one day, the next day and everything's all right. 
So you can imagine there was still an awful lot of poverty. And, uh, you know, when we think about the leisure time we have today, Alison, and, and what we can do with it, people in those is very much still worked seven days a week uh, and didn't have time for uh, flitting about on bicycles. So it was pretty much... Um, you know, uh, the aristocracy would have been on their bikes. Which is kind of amazing. It's pretty quick. Be- yeah. Yeah, go on, Alison, yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing. It, I, th- I think it's, in a lot of ways, reputation-wise, it's flipped, hasn't it? Yeah, but I, I, I mean, when you think about it again, um, I know now you're a big bike fan and you and, and you can get around everywhere on your bike. Um so you can imagine what, what happens in, in the late 1800s when roads start improving and people realise that, you know what, I can, I can get quicker to the other side of town or to the next village on this thing called a bike. Uh, it must have been amazing. Uh, now, what really revolutionised it, uh, I seem, what seems to be that bikes became quite competitive and the market blew open, so bikes got cheaper and therefore into four. And, you know, cars and carts in its infancy and a long way off before the regular folk could have it. So it was a, it was a way of just regular transport for regular people. And it took off. It took off like fire then when it got cheaper, I think, around the 1890s. So that was, that was kind of cool for Irish people. And, and obviously that, the advent of better roads as well added to that too. And up until then, it would have been a horse, would it? Horse and cart kind of getting things back and forth? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you can imagine uh, horses and carts as well. They would have been very much for agriculture and not for leisure. Again, I'm talking about, let's say, the regular masses. You can imagine, again, the Anglo-Irish having the horses, you know, the hounds chasing the foxes across the field kind of thing. But for the regular folk, it was it was a, a rare commodity and, and um, not something that you could just say to your son or daughter, go out there on a Saturday night on the horse and Go on away to the disco, <laughs> it just didn't happen. So having a bike uh, gave that freedom to people. It gave freedom to people. And particularly when you think about it, uh, for women as well, because it was the foreshadowing of the suffragette years, um, which were to, to come right on the heels of, of this kind of early freedom. And um, you can imagine as well the restriction of women in the late uh, 19th century and all of a sudden then to have the bikes and to be able to have that little bit more freedom and get away for the day or meet their friends. It must have been revolutionary far beyond what we can actually even imagine today. Yeah. And then t- t- take us forward, then take us forward, then you're, you've written it in the article, it, um, it touches on our, our local, um, I suppose, local hero, Michael Collins. Um, and he's always pictured with his bicycle. Always, isn't he? Uh, you know, you you pop into the local restaurant down in, in the Imperial Hotel and, and I think in the Emmett Hotel as well, there's, there's pictures of Michael Collins and inevitably you'll nearly always find one with with uh, with him pushing his bicycle around his bicycle. Yeah, it, it's fascinating. I mean, anyone who's seen the movie uh, or even read about Michael Collins will know that uh, the, the, the British administration couldn't put a face to him. And... Um, Therefore, he was able to uh, uh, weave in and out of people on his bicycle going along his merry way in Dublin without ever, uh, you know, here he was bring, bringing down the emperor on a bicycle um, and they didn't even know it. So Collins, uh, not only is he famous worldwide for what he's done, he's also famous for, for his uh, endeavours on a bicycle. Can you imagine that? 
and a custom belt, wasn't it? He had a very tall bicycle. He did, and there's a there's a replica of it in the the Michael Connors Museum in Clon. So I, I hope uh, when when the, the COVID nineteen thing runs its course, and um, people can can see this in the Michael Connors Museum. It's just, yeah, uh, it's it's a beauty. Yeah. And so, do you think like? Did you look into that, the, the actual role of bicycles and how important they were in the resistance? Because I suppose one of the things that's amazing about a bicycle is when they did become affordable, people could get them and like that. You could move around very quickly, but also not just move around, but you could actually carry. You could it, They were load-bearing, which is amazing. You said it there, no, yeah. I mean, it's probably a, a period where I'm a little bit more comfortable talking about that, that revolutionary period, but... It's not so much that 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 bicycles are sort of at the forefront of the revolution, but they're actually very important in the revolution because, as you said yourself, they carry things. So when they're unloading guns, whether it was from Hoth up in Dublin, and when the Asgard came in and they all went down to the harbour, all the all the the, the, the volunteers and the coming man and they came in their bicycles and they were able to load them load them up on their bicycles somehow. It seems so innocent now, doesn't it? There you could go down your bicycle and collect a few guns, but even in the 1916 rising, there's loads of accounts uh, of of the volunteers cycling uh, to their destination in Macroom. Some, of course, walked and came overland. There was a particular um, group who came from the city on their bicycles, and even from as far as Aries, uh, over in in the Bear Peninsula, they had to. You can imagine. We all know how hilly it is down there, so they were cut off from what was going on. And the only way they could find out was literally send off a couple of guys on bicycles again over the mountains, up to Kerry to find out what was going on. And when you look at the historical record, and of course everybody focuses on the guns and the big picture, it's the bikes, the bikes, the bikes all the time that are that are always mentioned in the background. And most famously, the coming of man, Alison, as well. You know, they're often... Um, Thankfully, modern history has sort of finally acknowledged their role, or I suppose they were acknowledged in their own day, but sometimes, some way history has forgotten them. But the common man have put, them, put their lives in danger. They would have often been carrying dispatches and arms as well. And oftentimes, again, in the records, with the bicycles, with the bicycles as well. So it's amazing how within a short 20 years of them becoming leisure vehicles in the 1890s, that in the 1910s and 20s, they're are uh, vital to the revolutionary cause for speed and distance uh, and bear, bear loading, as you mentioned yourself. Yeah, and I was um, I remember when we, or maybe I was, I was um, reading a book on the, the siege of Baltimore way back when, and it was at that stage, foot messengers. So you'd have somebody who would run the messages and like the difference between running a message and then the advent of the bicycle. And even now, like a bike can move through a city faster than a car that's like cycle couriers and even cycle food you know the food takeaways bikes seem to keep on coming up they're very democratic because you know you can't they're a level playing field for everyone but they can they can something about they're so swift so i love um is it flan o'brien's third policeman picture of the bicycle and like they become an extension of your body like no other vehicle can and i think that's kind of they they become 
unlike a car, you know, it's kind of can drag you down and it can give you way more power, too much more power than you have. And it gives you anonymity. Whereas a bicycle, you, you're still out there, you're still in the open air, but it becomes more like an extension of yourself to give you, I always think it's like a superpower. I always feel kind of superhuman, feel like you're running at great speed, but you're just, you know, pedaling, pedaling and, and you can just feels like flying. I think it's one of somebody said it's the closest thing you can feel to flying as a human being. Yeah, and you can imagine, um, as I said, that early freedom uh, that that people would have had. And I think sometimes people get the impression that the roads were were sort of empty, and 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 bicycles must have had, you know, be, had so much more freedom than they have today. But of course, roads weren't as well made, and they were a lot narrower, and you had plenty of horses and carts on on the road as well. And of course, you had all the uh, manure that goes with it, um, and plenty of potholes. So. Uh, there was always a need for bicycles to have their own space, uh, even more so today, I suppose, with growing traffic, but even back then. Um, but yeah, the, certainly the bicycle as the extension of the person um, has become very important. And, that's a, and even more so today, I think. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say, because we've been here um, 12, 12 years and coming from Canada, like, and we actually moved over from Australia, both of those countries have very wide roads and very big distances between everything. Um, the cycle infrastructure is no better, but here the narrow, the roads are just so narrow. It's like sharing the roads between cars and tractors and, and horses, especially West Cork. We've got all the different animals, the massive tractors and the bicycles. Um, and then you really were seeing a real clear divide between kind of race recycling, which is something I feel like that gets a lot more support because it's maybe, you know, you're not needing infrastructure necessarily because it's something that's trying to happen at high speed. And it's more like, the you know, it gets that the racing street cred. It's got a different it's more like a sport, whereas whereas cyclists on the in the town, if you go into towns and see cyclists, they don't look like that it's not the same look at all and it's not the same kind of bike either so the, since we've been here and I was the very first year of the bicycle festival Derma Sullivan did a photo exhibition of beautiful photos and I was running madly around the town while he was set up trying to find all the people that are always around on their bikes and grabbing them you know and saying would you, would you do a bike portrait and it's still the same people and a lot of them a lot of them it's like that your their bicycles are an extension of them and they're often of that same, like a generation, they're usually, I'd say, mostly either 60 plus, even even much older, that are just cycling still every day, panniers, shopping baskets, back and forth to work. You can see like short commutes. Um, but you don't see it necessarily catching on with people who are kind of, I suppose, much earlier on in life like under even between you'd think there'd be more 20 to 40 year olds who are catching on a bit more around town commuting back and forth yeah you make a great point um i love that i that idea actually i was thinking about you during the week because you know we had this conversation about how bikes are the personality you know the part of the personality and there's this man who always cycles in from ring on his bike and he's one of these people you're talking about uh, you know, probably, uh, you know, 50s or 60s up. And, uh, you know, he had, his, he had his messages strapped on the back of the, uh, the bike that he was obviously coming back from the supermarket. And, I mean, that was a skill in itself to be able to balance it, distribute the weight. I just thought it's amazing. And, you know, you, you can pick out a dozen or so 
people in the town who, yeah, they're, they, they're a is who they are. It's part of who they are. And then you've got that other crowd. I know you're talking about uh, the, the cyclists, as I kind of say, like Renoir and Acid, like all these <laughs> colours, gaudy colours that you'd never see anyone wear um, maybe outside the 70s. And um, yeah, the kind of, there's, there seems to be a divide, an unfair divide. I think fitness has grabbed the country, which is all well and good, but um, we don't have the infrastructure for people who want to use bicycles to transport their messages home, who want to go out from A to B, who, who want to just say, I don't want to use a car, I want to be able to go to work on my bike. And that's the imbalance that's in rural Ireland. That's, I, I think, like, you can see it on people's faces, though, I think, when they're cycling. There's, a, like, a health and a vitality and a twinkle that you catch in people's eyes. And there's a lot of, like, local shopkeepers. There's quite a few local shopkeepers who have, obviously, they've had their shop since long before I moved here. And they're getting around on their bikes the whole time. And you can tell they live, what I love about living in Clonahilty is you can live a much smaller life. Like, everything is human scale. I, you know, I barely have to leave the town. So lockdown isn't that different for the way I live my normal life I can do my shopping everything is within a very easy cycle distance so it must like the advent of people traveling further distances but I think maybe the some of the older generation they've kept that local living so their circle is a very easy cycle distance it's not they it's it's not they're not you know they're not going to skibbering every day or going to band and life happens their house is not that far from their work and they go to the same shops and that's the way like we've been living here and I couldn't I don't think it would be possible for me to do this in, a, in some other countries but Clonakilty just seems like it's made for bicycles I'd love to see more infrastructure and I'd love to see one of the things we're working on is trying to get a cycle bus happening because I would love to see more kids cycling to school because it just the schools are close everything's should be easy the access should be easy but there are a lot of you know there are a lot of fast corners um that people have to navigate with traffic and, and stuff yeah that, uh, that's that's uh, just on that point Alison, about schools and bikes i mean as long as i've been teaching up in the community college if there's ever two or three bikes outside the the you know or outside the doors of the school that would be it you know kids obviously get bussed in, they get dropped off. And I remember going up in the city, you know, when I went to school in the 80s and 90s, you know, the whole yard would be full of bikes. It's not as if like I'm living in the 18th century or 19th century here. It's not that long ago. Yeah. And we all just cycled to school. And this was in the city. You know, the way people talk about traffic and it's too dangerous for my child to cycle. We were all cycling in the city. You know, I, 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 I'm up in the city suburbs and, and it was busy. And it was... How long? How far? Would you have cycled? Probably, I probably would have cycled probably four or five miles to school. You know, not it's not a huge amount, but I mean, it, and what it was enough. What age would you have started doing that by yourself? Oh, 12, 12. and we didn't, you know, we didn't even give it a second thought. It was just done. Yeah. So I kind of when I look at the kids of today, and they're great in many ways. I mean, for God's sake, they do. They have a lot more access to things than perhaps when you and I were kids. But it's just a shame. I don't know. It's something we should encourage kids cycling uh, to school. And it's hard to know what. All kinds of weather. I'm sure you were the same. Yeah. Um, you go in all kinds of weather and you didn't think twice about it. Well, it gives you amazing resilience, doesn't it? It makes you feel like a superhero to kind of survive, <laughs> survive bad weather. 
on a bike. But what do you think? So where do you, can you see? Can you see what happened there? Is there any kind of historical shift that is you can put your finger on that when that kind of thing stopped happening in Ireland? Could just seemed bikes were so big, such a big part of life, not that long ago here. Well, I guess you know modernization has a funny effect on us. I mean, you take the railroads. I mean. You, when you came over here, you probably learned a little bit about the railroads that, that were all over the country. You know, uh, the British did an awful lot of damage to Ireland, but one of the good things that it was had railroads everywhere. And what did we do? We, we tore them all up. I suppose the advent of the car uh, changed the mindset and everybody thought, everybody thought that was the future. And I would imagine when the motor car came in, the bus came in, and the same kind of mentality developed, well, this is better because it's more modern and it's newer. But now we're looking at, we're looking back and saying, well, it's time to uh, reimagine how we are in society. And maybe that generation who have taken buses should start to re- reimagine how to get to school and maybe take take their bike to school. I think it would be fantastic. Yeah, it'd be great to talk to you about that a bit more because we're going to have a forum for the about cycle buses and um, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for some parents because that's what you need. You need parents and teachers or else there's nothing but people are actually interested in getting it going because there's some really successful ones in Limerick and Galway happening already. And more of that, I think, will we'll kind of, you know, put the tides in our favour to get what we need for infrastructure to get everybody cycling safer on the roads. Start with kids. You can't say kids are so cute. You can't, you can't but love them when they're on bicycles. But since the lockdown, like, I think you must notice it too. It just, I don't know, is it? it's not my imagination because the numbers are in, but, like, I'm not sure why exactly... I mean, there's the obvious kind of guess why there are more bikes on the road because people have more time. But I think people are still very busy and people still working from home. Maybe people aren't commuting as far. But why do you think all of a sudden people have decided to take up cycling in a pandemic? It just seems on the one hand, it, it makes sense because for social distance, you can keep distance on a bike. But if you haven't been cycling, it seems a strange time to want to get into cycling. I don't see... It seems like it's almost like rekindled something. Well, Alison, it could be, yeah, it could be two things for me. Perhaps an obvious answer would be there's less traffic on the road, so parents are willing to take a bit more chances with taking their kid on a bike, you know? Or it could be the fact that, you know, the, the, the lockdown has made people look at the simpler things in life and go back to the, the, the things that matter uh, and, the, and the simple pleasures like cycling. I uh, really think that could be one of the uh, the reasons for, for the increased amount of cyclists on the road as well at the moment. Yeah, there does seem to be, um, like, it's a, it's amazing. They, they say Derry, Derry, the county of Derry is reported to have absolutely no bikes left. Our own, the bike shop Murph's um, MTM Cycles is busy, busy all the time. The, the community bike workshop, the bike circus, busy, new people all the time. Kids' bikes coming in, everyone looking for bikes. It's it's, it is almost interesting. It, it's like when they had the, when you guys had the crash in the economy too, it's like the recession, the Celtic tiger where everybody kind of took up cars and, and then you hit the recession. People do sometimes reconnect. I think the lockdown has been an opportunity. I mean, like myself, I, you know, I'm talking to my family a lot more. I'm talking to kind of old friends that I haven't seen in a while, kind of reconnecting with people. Um, and then I guess that's the same kind of spirit getting back a lot of gardening. It's the same. All the garden centers are running out of everything. Trying people return, kind of reconnecting with the land. So hopefully that. And the rush, the rush element has gone out as well. And I think 
taking the bike to get somewhere because you're not in a rush. You're saying, oh, I don't have X amount of time left of my day. Maybe the fact that people all have that little bit extra time, you can say, look, we'll take the bike to town or we'll take the bike out to get, get to where we need to be. And I think that's probably feeding into it as well. Hopefully it'll stay. That's the thing, though. Will, will, it, will it stay like that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think for us, we want to kind of harness it as much as possible. There's a massive movement all around Europe now, um, people trying to get bike projects and um, kind of cycling beyond the pandemic is the catchphrase, trying to get the infrastructure in now, even in a temporary way to show people that it's that it's really positive and get people using it in in the lockdown so that it can be it can stay for the long run. Um, so I, I just hope uh, I just hope, Alison, that um you know, when you, the Green Party in current, currently in talks with, with the other government parties and uh, let's hope things like bike lanes and don't get sidelined, you know, in, in budget cuts or, and, and the tightening of the belt, let's call it. I really hope they'll embrace what you're talking about there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we can hope. I'm going to, um, in this interview, I'm going to kind of put in a few readings from different people's experiences cycling around in West Cork um, in the last kind of 80 years, basically. So it would have been starting in the the early kind of 20s and 30s. There's a, a lot of stories that we have. But one of the images that, sh that always strikes me, like you mentioned, it was going to the disco. It was a huge thing when people got their freedom um, and meeting up with friends. And I think that's really what's connecting. I think that's one thing that the, the lockdown has showed us is, you know, we don't need the, sh it's not the shopping. It's not the, our needs, our actual human needs are very basic. We, we don't need all the other things, but we do need each other. And I think a bicycle is a brilliant thing because it means we don't have to, I have a friend who was commuting back and forth to Cork and she said, she said she was filling up, you know, weekly her car. And now it's been eight weeks since she's put any petrol in. So, on the flip side, when there's less money to go around, the bicycle really shines because you don't need, and I always say you, you fuel it with food, which is a great bonus. You can, you can enjoy your dinner, but it's kind of a way that you can simplify and still get around because it's not costing you very much. And I think people, people are starting to see the true costs of, of cars and stuff, but the bicycles, I think they just keep shining. They keep on coming back up and shining. I think they still have a lot, a lot left to give us and offer us in the history of Ireland. So there might be another, they've actually done the Liffey has now has a, temporary cycle route and there's a great movement in Galway getting some more cycle routes up there so hopefully in Limerick too the major cities will get it and hopefully in Clonakilty as well so well, thank you for your time and I'll tell everyone you can look up on the West Cork people so you can just google West Cork people um, and you'll find Kieran's article this month um, I'd say it's online now already and you can read the full article and we'll also link to it from our website great and Alison I want to thank you and uh, all your gang who are uh, putting uh, the bike skill right in the centre of Clonakilty and trying to bring it back. Fair play to you. Thank you. Keep going. Take care. We need people like you. Thanks, Kieran, and uh, good luck with all the exam marking. <laughs> We're now going to hear some stories from the book Frozen and Forgotten, a project celebrating people's personal connections with their bikes, initiated by artist Anne harrington Rees, working with participants on the Monday afternoon Arts for Health sessions. Dunmanway Community Hospital back in 2013. The artists, residents, staff and visitors delighted in sharing their experiences, relationships and knowledge of their bicycles in drawings and texts. The project went so well and took the idea to Clonakilty Community Hospital in the following year. The stories and images were collated in a publication as part of the ongoing commitment to share and celebrate the important artwork 
that is created through the Arts for Health Partnership programme. I got a bicycle going to school. It was black and had a bell. I cycled to Mass on it and would go out with my brothers. We'd travel around seven miles. The roads were all right. I used to wear a skirt when I was on the bike. That was by Hannah Cronin. I paid £19 for a rally, bought it in Clonakilty. It was black and had a light. I used to fly. I put £5 to it and my mother put the rest. I was a fright on it. Paddy Beechner. My first bicycle was bought from Dan MacDonald in Enniskeen when I was around 12 years old. It wasn't a new bike. It was great because it took me everywhere so much faster than walking. It was a second-hand bicycle, but in good repair. Soon after I got it, my younger brother took the bike on loan to get to a farm where they were cutting corn. The bike was left in a nearby field and a herd of cows walked all over it and destroyed the wheels. It took a while to get all the parts replaced. And that was by Margaret Kelly. My first bicycle might have been my sister's. It was a real crock. I started to serve my time as a house painter. I started from home five miles north of Dunmanway and cycled as far as Ballanine and Enniskeen. For the first two miles there was no tarred road. My wages were seven shillings and sixpence. After a year I bought a new bike on hire purchase from Tommy Hurley and Dunmanway Bicycle Shop. He also had a jeweller's and a pub there. It cost one pound, ten shillings and ten pence a month for twelve months. The make of the bicycle was a Robin Hood, maybe affiliated to the Rudge. A man's high Nelly. It was the queen of the road. It had three speeds, a carrier and a hub dynamo lighting. I carried lunch on the bike carrier. I felt like a king on it. I had a half crown left after paying the bike hire purchase. I went to the cinema every Sunday night. I'd cycle there and leave the bike in Roach's yard. It cost me one shilling to get in downstairs. That left me with one shilling and sixpence to buy a bottle of lemonade and a quarter pound of toffees. I still had a shilling left at the end to spend on whatever. The furthest I travelled on the bike was 15 miles. My fellow I worked for had no van at the time and he would tie cans of paint to the handlebars, the crossbar, the carrier and around my neck, anywhere he could tie them. He then said to me, I'll give you a push to take off, Pat. You could hear the paint tins rattling going around the bend. I looked like 40 coats. On a wet day, I'd stay working in Dunmanway. It could take me two hours to cycle to Enniskeen. The business I worked for was run by two O'Neill brothers. They sold paint, beds, hardware and framed pictures. They used to display stuff on the street. and I had to haul it in off the street in the evenings and used to get the odd half crown as a tip from one of the brothers. You'd get a lot of punctures. More than you'd like of them. The tyres were bad. 
they'd be packed with hay, with twine wrapped around them. Paddy O'Donovan. My mother and her sister were going to the dances near Carriganas Castle, near Kailkill. Down a side lane on a bike came a Garda. He stopped them and asked, What do you think the two of ye are doing? Ye've no light on the bike and one of ye up on the crossbar. He gave out stink to them and told them that one should walk alongside the other on the bike. A bit further along the road, when out of sight of the Garda, Mum's sister got back up on the crossbar and they went on to the dance. By Margaret Kelleher. You've been listening to the Clon Bike Cast, your one-stop shop podcast for all things about Clonakilty Bicycle Festival and beyond. Alison Roberts was interviewing Kieran Doyle. The music was by me, Justin Grounds. And the readers were Susan McManaman and Philip Crosby. Thanks to Justine Foster, Anne Harrington-Rees and the Arts for Health programme for allowing us to use their stories. Go to clonakiltybicyclefestival.org to get all the information you need about this year's events.